Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. As always, Blue Wire Studios here in the Wind Resort in Las Vegas. Dre, we are back. Today, we're talking MMA. It is a pay-per-view weekend from Salt Lake City, Utah. Two black guys headlining. <laughs> in Salt Lake City, Utah. Who booked this shit? <laughs> uh, obviously, Salt Lake City loves black folks. Like we we didn't know, but because well, they don't uh, have any there, except the ones that play with jazz jerseys. That's true. The, Utah doesn't have football. I mean, University of Utah. Yeah, that's as close as it gets. UFC two seventy eight. The card is okay. We're gonna run down the card. It's all right. Maybe it's one of those cards that comes to surprise us. But Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards. Like you mentioned, neither of them are anywhere near Utah. No, not even close. Yet, they seem, Dana White says it's going to be another consecutive sellout, which I believe. Yeah, those people want to see a fight. Like, yeah. they, they want to see something that they don't see often. And it's, you know, the circus comes to town in, like, the best of ways. It's like one of those things where it feels grand because it never happens. Yeah. So, I, I like it. The atmosphere should be cool. It's not far from other cities. Like, people from Vegas can drive up. People from NorCal can drive. Should have a good crowd. The fight should be okay. We'll give our entire rundown of the fight card a little later. To start off the show, though, we didn't get to talk about this last week. And I need your opinion on something very, very important. This, this is not important, whatever. <laughs> what is your rating? I'm going to go one through five. Like we're taking it back to the source thing. One through five of the game's new album. Incomplete. I haven't listened to those. <laughs> so you're not a fan of 30-plus song no, album? No, no, no. This is disrespectful to my time. <laughs> the album? Yes. How dare you make a, an album that's two hours long? I've listened to a Chris Brown album that was a legit 46 tracks. This is... That's bullshit. Like, why should anybody... It's disrespectful to make 30 songs. Like, look, have some discretion, right? I think Game's ego is what does this. I can make 30 great songs. You're going to listen to them all. And I'm going to have all my industry friends on there. And it's going to be great. But it's like, there's, a, there's probably a pretty good album 
inside of those 30 songs. It ain't 30 songs. I've listened to this 30-song album. If the album was seven songs, it'd still probably be a three. See, and I like game albums. I got eight songs deep on this, and I was like, yeah. Listen, Same for me. Once upon a time, music was difficult to make, right? You had to go to the studio. You had to pay money to press CDs. Now it's easy to make. If you want to release 30 songs, you release 30 songs. Who's going to stop you? I needed to go back to the time where <laughs> it was like it was like bullets, right? Like you had a gun, and if bullets cost money, you wouldn't shoot people as much. If each track costs a certain amount, game wouldn't make all these songs. True. So I've seen people really like it. I can't listen to the whole thing. It's impossible. I don't have two hours to sit there and listen to one guy rap. And it's not, and when, especially when it's not that good. I listened during Raw and I had to split it up. So I listened during the wrestling moments of Raw, which should let you know on a wrestling show later on in the week, it was a lot of wrestling. Yes, it was. Because I could listen to the entire game album throughout Raw. Nothing on this was as enjoyable as anything was on Raw. No, because, all right. So I've seen, I'll just shout him out. Cue the question you should write for me at Hip Hop DX. said, game is top 20 all time. And I was like, you're bugging. He's top 20 all time. Rapper, yeah. Absolutely not. I thought, wait, wait. Are you sure that was it? Because I believe no, I, it was in the group chat that it was no, top 20 West Coast no, rappers. No, no, no. It was top 20 all time. Rappers. Really? Yes. I love Q. He was a good dude. He wrote for me for many years. I'm not sure he's top 50. But he was hot takes before you were hot takes. <laughs> when they were just called bad opinions. That's deep. <laughs> that's, that's a long time ago. And this man says that game's catalog is incredible. And I'm like, listen. This man just put out an album that was 30 tracks. Had Hit Boy on it. And I don't like it. So that disqualifies it right there. Yeah, that hurts. And his ego gets in his way. Because he already thinks he's the greatest, right? He spends 10 minutes dissing Eminem. For what? Nobody wants to hear that shit. You think Eminem listened to that shit? No. No. That wasn't a good diss song either. I didn't listen to it. Oh, you never got there? I lo- I saw <laughs> the track, the song length, and I'm like, I'm not listening to this. You ever go to a movie and watch a movie and you was like, man, they took 30 minutes off that movie, be a lot better movie? Every DC movie ever made. Okay. but Outside of the, the usually, Dark Knight trilogy. Usually you pay for the movie, so you end up staying. Yeah. But if you don't have to stay, you would leave. Yes. That's hate game. watching. That's game's album. I don't have to pay for it, so I'll just leave. So it's like the Snyder cut. Yeah, but I'll just leave. because it's like three times. Yeah, because it's like, I, I can't do this. Like, because at the same time, Black Thought and Danger Mouse just dropped cheat codes, which I could listen to four times in <laughs> the same amount of time it would take me to listen to games out. <laughs> Fuck that out. <laughs> it's incomplete. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to listen to the whole thing. Straight through. I think it's impossible for me. Well, I mean, we've seen people. It seems to be well-received for the most part. Depends on who you're talking Outside of you and me. And I like a lot of stuff. I'm like the easiest critic. Like, stuff you'll give like a D minus to. I'm like, oh, that's not bad. It's like a B minus. This was not it. It's too much. It's too, it's too much. Why? That's my question. My biggest question is, why would you give me 30 songs? I didn't ask for this. Kendrick gave us 24? Kendrick gave 22. us 22, but it was like two, three, like... Intermission skits. Yeah. Like, this is 30 songs. <laughs> and one song is 10, ten minutes, minutes long. <laughs> and the thing is, there's no theme. It's just haphazardly thrown together. 
I got a producer. I got uh, some rappers that you might know. I don't. Why? I don't need this. Like, why didn't you split it up into four albums or three albums? Oh, at least at different better. times. Like a 30? series. Thirty at once. I don't need. He was supposed to retire like eight years ago. They're just as bad as boxers when it comes to retirement. <laughs> they can't do it. They don't know how to do it. Man, again, music is easy to make. Why retire? I. People love game. I've never been huge on game. I think game can rap. I've always thought he could rap. The incessant name dropping has always been a problem to me. Okay. His animosity towards certain things. Like, he tries to take credit for a lot of things, and he tries to big himself up, but it's like, sometimes when you're doing all that chest thumping, it comes off as tone deaf. Let, let somebody else tell you you're great. Stop telling me how great you are. You've released enough music. If I haven't realized it by now, and especially after 30 songs, if you can't convince <laughs> me after 30 songs you're great, like... No one needs 30 songs. You ever get a work email, right? Or you be in a work meeting, it's like, this could have been an email. That's games. Out. That's how it could have been. Motherfucker could have been an email. You just wanted to email the lyrics of two yeah, tracks. Just, that's it. I don't need all this. <laughs> I, I don't need all this. Like, what are you? Why? What are you telling me? There's no concept. There's no theme. It's just he's rapping. All long albums aren't bad albums. No, it, but they like, have to have something that yeah, keeps it together. Life after death. Granted, double disc, twenty six songs. Yeah, but but even with life after death. The theme, to a certain point, was life after death. Yes. The theme was death. Yes. Game's theme was, I know a lot of people. Well, it was allegedly and, like boom, bap, and drill mixed. I didn't hear that. Wonder why I didn't hear it? Because I didn't finish the fucking album. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't hear it. And you don't sleep much nowadays. No, but I don't, that would put me to sleep. There's just no way. <laughs> Again, it's like, if you're not wowing me in the first like few songs. That's always the key. Then I'm like, I don't even want to listen to you. But then I tried to get through it. I was like, let me play a game of MLB The Show. Played a whole game of MLB The Show. Shit was still going. I was like, that's enough. It was just background noise. Yeah, and I was just zoning out because I was like, I don't even care what he's talking about anymore because he's not really talking about anything. Home Invasion's dope. There's I like a- the song with Favi. Yeah. Eh, I'm not big. Favi's version. But, you're, not a, you're not a Favi guy. Uh, but I, again... With, Bobby doesn't. with Danger Mouse and Black Thought dropping an album, I just keep going back to that. I listen to two or three songs like, ah, I'm going to go back to this. And Cheat Codes is amazing. One of the best albums of the year. This? I haven't so listened much. to it. But I mean, Black Thought is incredible. Yeah, but no, this album. Cheat Codes is great. It's this, this game album. is How many tracks are on that? It's only like 12. It's only like 40 minutes. Okay. <laughs> like, see, I can do Good. 40 minutes. No, and yeah. it's not even because I have a short attention span. This is dope. Yeah. Ugh. Nah, it's game top 20 all time. Absolutely not. If any of you out there can make a compelling argument. Is he top 20 West Coast? Maybe. Maybe. And some people will be like, absolutely. And I'm like, mm, DJ Quick, MC8, Rub, Razzcast. Raz, I was going to say Razzcast is on there. I'd even Cube, put Exhibit up Snoop. there. Cube, Snoop, Quick. Um, is he better than Warren G? Yes. It's close. It's not. He's better than Warren G. All right. And corrupt, but I mean, Pac. We're including Pac as the oh, absolutely. Yeah, Pac is in there. Pac Kendrick. I mean, you go down 40. this list. Yes, E Forty. Include Barry. Short. Short. You include all of them. Mac Dre. Like Game is a very good rapper who has had some good albums. I don't. The documentary was not a classic. That was a very good album. That's just. 
But then like people was like, what about the Red Album? What about Jesus Peace? And I go through all those albums and like, Jesus Peace was dope. I was like, they're, they're good albums. Don't get me wrong, they're good albums. But I think other rappers have had better runs than Game. He's definitely not top 20 all time. That's crazy. No, it's low. And so it's like, who's more consistent than Game? Everyone. A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> Lupe, Redman, yeah. Common. God, I even see Kendrick. Kendrick is in there. Yeah, you want me to go down the list of all these consistent rappers? Like, I might like Schoolboy Q now more than I like Game. I do. Oxymoron's a better game, album than I think any album Game has ever had. I agree. I, so we're getting, yeah, it's tough. That's what I'm saying. It's, Even it's in the deep. West Coast, it's dicey, but I, you can make an argument. I'm like, that's cool. I, yeah. After like 10, it gets like whatever. But all time, 20? No, absolutely. All right. So that being said, game's not top 20 all time. No. Let's like, just, let's just end myself? that there. <laughs> let's end that there. Yeah. But you mentioned that we had another hell of an album, Black Dog Drop. Yes. Cool. What are your top albums so far of the year? Because we coasted. Usually we do this in the middle of June. It ends up being August. We haven't given our albums of the year yet. Uh, Kendrick and Saba are my two favorite albums, hip-hop albums this year. And Cheat Codes will probably be up there. It's too early for me to put it there now. Um, but those are my two favorites. Kendrick and Saba have gotten the most burn from me this year. few good things. few good things. I've listened to it twice. It's pretty good. And I'm not like a huge Saba fan, but I get it. I love Saba. I think Saba's great. And Kendrick, it's one of those albums, I get it. If people, if you don't listen to it, I get it. I get it. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I was like, I can't listen to it. I was like, I get it. But I, I, Die Hard's like my favorite song. One of my favorite songs. Is- I still think that Kendrick album is amazing. I just, but, uh, I'm not always in that mood. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you gotta I, give me a little rain outside. You gotta, like I, said, you I know, get it. I get it. The mood. But you know, I, like, Deadass, I like Drake's album. I'm still listening to it. Oh, no. Yep. Keeper's oh. the shit. The Keeper's the shit. Oh. But that's, 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 I, I like that kind of house music. No. Benny has a great album. Ton of Talk For is dope. Benny's album's good. Um, yeah, Benny's album is really good. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Corday's album is really good. Corday's still incredible album this year. Logic, Vinyl Days is really good. And I know people shit on Logic constantly. Yes. That album is really good. Really damn good. Yeah, they're coming for you. Yeah, they say what they want. That album is dope. The production on it is crazy. The the first four tracks is a Dilla beat, a Primo beat, and then I forgot who the next producer, but it's like a wild run of producers he has on. Crazy. And he bodies every beat. And Reza's like track five. Like crushes every beat. I understand. Maybe the subject matter gets repetitive after a while. But if I can listen to Pusha T talk about cocaine for 18 songs on the same album every year, damn it, I can listen to Logic talk <laughs> about being biracial. Like, yeah, it's just yeah. fine with me. That man can spit. And um, Jack Harlow's album is really dope. No. I like Jack Harlow. The Him and Drake song. Is Churchill Downs is great. But it's because of Drake. I mean, yes. But Drake... Drake ain't rap on the album you like. He gave, he gave like three minutes of bars. I, on I like honestly, album. never mind. Like people can come for me all you want. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, that's, I've, I've been... You're a house music ass yeah, dude, yes, though. So I like Afro know House. Like, right anybody who says, oh, you like that? Yes. Yeah, Black you clean coffee? your cribs. Yes. That's, I listen to it every day. Not <laughs> Drake album. I listen to house music every day. That's you what really I do. do. But uh, yeah, those are my albums. Kendrick. 
Chris I, Brown, the Big Steppers, Saba, a few good things. I haven't listened to Denzel Curry album. I haven't either. But uh, that's yeah. rated number one on this list. No. Um, <laughs> well, Saba's number four. Kendrick's five. What's two and three? Um, Conway, God Don't Make Mistakes. That was this, that was last year, wasn't it? Nope, 2022. Really? Tana Talk 4, 2022. It's a long fucking year. Um, Earl is Earl? six, sick, yeah. Then Pusha T. That was this year too? Yep. Yeah, damn. Pusha T. I make these years shorter. Corday is eight. Ramona Park broke my oh, heart. Vince yes. Stables is nine. Vince Stables, even though Buddy's album is really good too. I and then Gunna, DS Forever. Good list to it. Is 10. Future's not on that list? That's no that's future. It then goes on. Donda 2, Jack Harlow, Lotto. Donda 2? Who's heard it? I haven't heard I've, it. I'm not uh, buying no whatever <laughs> stem cell research player that fool's yeah. going to make me buy to listen to his album. Uh, Lotto, you, 777. Yeah, no. Uh, last One's Left, 4-2 Doug. Some young kid shit. And Forever by 5 Dog. Forever. Damn, that, that was this year too. <laughs> I didn't know that dropped. These, these years got to, yeah, they got to get shorter. Coilery trendsetters. I nope. To round out the top 20. <laughs> JID drops, oh, next week. Black Already. Thought, to be fair, is 22 on this list, and it came out Friday. But, see, you can't do so that. So it's not like it'll, it'll jump, right? Like, but you that's can't, pretty high for like, Yeah, but you can't. The, the shit just came out. Can I listen to it? Like, you just don't want to list. changing list. <laughs> <laughs> Whose list is that? It is made from. Double XL. Oh, I don't trust Double XL for shit. <laughs> but it's like an ever flowing list they have that just bounces up and down. How? When new shit comes out, you no, slide no, no. it in. I like it better than this album. And but then it's not an end I. up liking it more. See, like Double XL is an entity, right? So there's multiple people there. So how do they figure out these lists? Like who was the person who's like cheat code should be number twenty two immediately? Like how do you? Well, they they probably looked at this list and was like, you know what? I like it better than Young Boy Never Broke Again Colors. And uh, 7220 by Lil Durk. It just came so out. So they slid it right on top of those. And Future would be 24. I never liked right, it. I mean. <laughs> so you just, you just feel like, like, I like this. You'll slide this right up above here. Well, I gave my two favorite rap albums. This year, I so. feel. Where do you rank this Beyonce album? You still listen to Beyonce too? It's a good album. It's a good album. The Beyonce album is a good album. You just got Beyonce hating your soul. I really do. Got to get that out your soul. That damn Break My Soul, Break Your Soul song is everywhere. That shit is a great song. It's not that good. It's a great song. In the pantheon of Beyonce. No, it is. In the pantheon of Beyonce, it is. This album, it is. You think they play that 10 years from now? Yes. 100%. Oh, God. Like, do they play Drunken Love? Ten? How many years is it? 15? Still play that shit. They're going to be That shit's a good song. Break My Soul is a good song. The album opens, like, the, the Beyonce album opens up dope. Like, it's it's a good, it's my favorite Beyonce album. I know people talk about B-Day, but this is my favorite Beyonce album. I can say it now because I've listened to it enough. Where You're I was a house like, house ass dude. I am. She got you with the house. She did. <laughs> but she got, but again, that's a different kind of house. That's more Southern house, Chicago house. It's more Americanized house music, more Crystal Waters, more Donna Summer than... Drake's album is more Black Coffee, more Tim's, more Afro Beats, more Afro House, my bad, than this. There's another album that I really like this year. Nobody's listening to it. If anybody's listening to it, you can message me and I'll be like, oh, shit. Little Silva's album, it's some Euro shit. 
It's got a little dragon on there and Sanfa, and I'm a big oh, Sanfa. I was about guy. to say, yeah, then Sanfa, all right, they got you with the features. Little already. Dragon and Sanfa, Charlotte Ray. It's, it's, that's a great album. That came out like two weeks ago. So that that is two weeks ago. So that's getting heavy play for me, too. It's a lot of non rap shit that gets a lot of play for me. But I've, I've given you my two favorite rap albums. <laughs> and Saba's album. For people who don't know, this is Dre. This, this is me. like when he used to put together random ass playlists on Spotify and be like, yo, you can download my playlist. I still have my like, playlist. I was you, like, yo, I want to see what he's listening to. There's three hip hop songs on there and a bunch of random shit. Well, I have I have a rap playlist and I have a house playlist. But uh, yeah, it's uh, still up and going. Black Star's album is really good too. I almost forgot about that. Black Star's album. But it's pretty good music. It's a pretty solid year for hip hop. But I think this Cheat Codes album is Probably gonna end up, it'll end up on my top ten list for sure because I've listened to it nonstop since. Friday. But you have an egregious moment that they put it at twenty two already. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's, too, it's like calling the classic. It just came out. Just give it some time to breathe. Just know where you slide. I, I, I think I, it's gonna move up. I feel like it should be a rule, right? Now I might write something about this for level. It should be a rule that you can't put an album on a list until a month after. Too soon when something comes out and be like it's immediately. You can't. It's, there's no concept. Con- like I needed four days to put that Kendrick album but on the can. top five list. But see, the and, thing and is, I put it on my list for the end of the year. I was like, yo, by the way, this ain't moving. <laughs> but I mean, there's albums that you hear and immediately you're like, I'm probably still going to be listening to this, yeah. right? But I think our ears evolve, and when we listen to the albums, the song that we loved at first may not be our favorite song four weeks from now. Oh, hands down. So like me and the Corday album. Right. It's changed like four times. So that's why when a list comes out, you should have the you should listen to an album for about a month before you can put it on a list with albums that you listen to for six months. It's not the same set of ears you listen to an album to. Boy. Those old man ears. It, These I'm young kids saying. don't listen to the same thing for four days, let alone four weeks. This is just me making a list. Oh, that makes sense. Little kids yeah, that like the rule. That those are TikTok lists. Here they gone tomorrow. Those are, like my shit is a little bit longer. Like I, I like to listen to albums and I revisit them and I go, hmm. Like I listened to Times Talk recently again and I was like, this is really good. Why is my shit playing? Oh, <laughs> you play the house and just oh, and Lupe, Lupe's album should be on this list. Lupe's album was really dope, really good. Lupe's just very complicated for a lot of people now. Dare I say? This is for a Lupe standard. This is a, his one of his most accessible albums. Yeah, he dumbed it down. For his standards. Still, Lupe's just... Still impeccable. Lupe's also like 10 times better than Game, but... <laughs> He's not from West Coast. So, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. If Game's top 20, I don't know where you put Lupe. Then, yeah, that's just fucking ridiculous. So, all right. Um, oh, Toby and Igwe dropped an album I really like as well. I have not listened to it. You have not? It's very good. Let me get to uh, it. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, I mean, he had me. He got Chameleon there. Like, on his thing. Like, it's him, two chains, and Chameleon there. Like, it's like, oh, my God, Chameleon is back. Once you do that, then I'm hooked. Yeah. So, I mean, dope albums through and through. Let's hit a break. When we come back, we actually got to break down this UFC card. And then we have a guest. Oh, yes. Coming through from UFC 278. Leave some mystery in there. But you guys don't want to miss this. It's going to be one hell of an interview. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this.
All right, everybody, we are back. Quick break, jumping right into UFC 278 predictions. Dre, usually we start with the main card, but on the undercard, our guest, Jared Gordon, who's joining us in a little while, is headlining that undercard. I believe Leo Santos is who he's fighting. That's going to be one hell of a fight. Just for the record, I'm picking Jared Gordon. Well, yeah, I'm picking Jared Gordon, plus, like, Santos on a two-fight lose. Both of them are coming off losses. Um, but it's Flash, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guest, so I can What's wrong? And then also on there, Marcin Tybura, Alexander Romanov. That's it. Romanov's uh, undefeated. That's not on the main card? No. Unless he got bumped up. I thought it was on the main card. All right. I don't think so. I think that is also on the prelims. Because on the main card... What, before we, Wait, hold on. Before we talk about this main card, can we talk about Dana White's GQ interview? Oh. <laughs> oh you want to go there? I yeah, do. Let's, do, let's do it. Because Dana White goes to GQ, and I guess it was like Twitter was asking a question. And, yep. And the, the quote that got everybody was like, as long as I'm here, I'm not increasing fighter pay. Then he interviewed with Kevin Ioli, which is today, which is Tuesday. And he said, it was a GQ interview. And it's like, motherfucker, who cares? You said it, right? <laughs> like, like you said it. You, and everybody's had an issue with fighter pay with you for several years now. Yep. And you said, as long as I'm here, fighter pay is not going to increase. And then you call Mark Romandi a scumbag. He does. <laughs> I don't know who wrote it, but he's not a journalist. He's a scumbag. <laughs> Mark Romandi's a scumbag? Shout out to Romandi. He's been in the studio. I, t- I text Mark, too. I was, like, I was like, Mark, you're a scumbag. And he called me. He was like, what? And I was like, no, Dana called you a scumbag. But not really, like, indirectly, because you wrote that article, but he didn't know it was you. He's like, fantastic. That got to be the wrestling gimmick for Mark now. Yeah. It's like, he's going to be Mark the scumbag Ramundi. Whenever yeah. he, like, comes out at any pro wrestling event. But, but why, look, what I don't understand is, why is Dana mad? You said it. He's mad because, one... You got called on your shit? Yeah, it became a bigger headline than he thought. Two, he... And this isn't Kel Dansby, ESPN employee talking. There's no inside info. I'm just going off of how he acts. Sees ESPN as a partner. And he's like, why would ESPN write? Because it is news. Yes. Every outlet wrote about this. FYI, we wouldn't be doing our job as journalists, even though he said this person isn't a journalist, if we just ignored it because you have your fights on our network. You know what my favorite thing is? People who've never had done anything in journalism telling people they're not <laughs> journalists. It's my favorite thing. Fighters, this is clickbait. You don't know what clickbait is. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. And then, like, <laughs> it's headline writing. It's not yeah, it's, it, there's two, like... There's a whole class on this. Yes. But Dana White saying that's not a journalist. Like, do you know what a journalist is? Like, you, he has no idea. And not a clue. I think Mark used the full quote from him, because I understand Dana's also like, that was an edited thing. Yeah, so the last part, people just took that, you used that part, it. and said it. So I understand that the question was in comparison to boxing and how much boxers get paid compared to UFC fighters, in which he then said, boxing is going to suffer and is suffering because of their bloated pay scale. And I'm not increasing fight. I understand there was more context to his statement. I don't care. Still not a great thing I to mean, say per se, but I understand listen. that he may be upset because there was more context of like, I'm not paying our version of Adrian Broner for mil. All right. Y'all cool. can pay your version of Adrian Broner for. I, I get that there was larger context, 
he could have added that in this GQ. Dog, listen. He called boxing a broken sport. Did. If boxing is so broken, why do all your fighters want to do it? Fair point. And then Nate, Nate Diaz is running. He's willing to fight the wolf. He don't care. Just get me out of here. I'm him to get out of there. So if it's so broken and you're saying the boxing is suffering, I mean, I don't think Canelo and Triple G is going to do a lot of suffering on, in September. I don't think when Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford fight is going to do a lot of suffering. I don't think, which later this week, Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk, I don't think they're financially hurting. Rolling in the dough. I don't think anybody is suffering. I don't think Jake Paul is suffering. Tyson Fury chilling. Tyson Fury's not suffering. A man retire, unretire, retire, unretire. I mean, he got enough money in his bank account to do whatever the hell he wants. But then meanwhile, you just lost one of your ranked featherweights, Shane Burgos, to PFL. Yeah. Because y'all didn't take care of him financially. And then Dana admits in there, yeah, we fucked up, basically. Yeah. But it's like, y'all scale is broken. Listen, yes, boxers do get paid a lot of money, but there has to be a middle ground. Yeah. And more importantly, there's boxing, which there isn't a promotion. They're promoters. Yep. UFC is not MMA. UFC is just one promoter. Yep. But your fighters are literally running to other promoters as soon as they can get out of their contract because they learn. It's like, yeah, Spotlight's great, but if I'm coming home broke, who cares? Mm-hmm. When you have top five middleweights like Jared Cannon here saying, I hope they can fight because I'm, I'm broke. It's got a problem. So, like, stop. Stop saying, like, you shouldn't have said that. Like, why, why would you say that and then get mad and somebody report on what you said? Yeah. I think... <laughs> Again, he was just like, oh, well, he caught me in the middle of a Q&A. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where I was like, all right, man. Like, the best comment for that is no comment. Right. Or just say. You don't got to double down Ioli. Not necessarily. Not, like, or, and Ioli did his job. He did. But I'm just saying, for, for the GQ part, like, why would you go that far that says, not while I'm here, about fighter pay? Don't talk about someone yeah. so controversial. You know it's going to be a headline. Yeah. Don't be stupid, stupid. Might, you may not talk about that again. No, nah, he'll do it again. It's staying his ego's too big. I mean, at some point, you want to keep people happy? We'll talk about WWE later in the week. Yeah. When people are happy, a lot of shit changes. And if you are nice to your employees, maybe they'll be a little more quiet about not getting paid great. Yeah. Like, Patty Pimblett's still on, like, a, a win, a, sh- a show and win contract. Yeah, the man's eating his contract. Clearly. Oh, yeah. Batty to Batty. He doesn't care. Fatty's like 200 pounds. Yeah, fuck it. He can still do it. People were like, I why aren't you that. fighting at the garden? It was like, dog, do you see how big I am? Yeah. There's no way I'm making this weight. Yeah, like, I, I got to get back to camp. Shit. <laughs> need some time to prepare. Hopefully, we see Batty in uh, Vegas. Maybe. That'd He's due. He's due for Vegas. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be here. I mean, I know Teofimo is December 11th. Yeah. So, hopefully, UFC gives me like a December 4th date so I can actually see that fight. Let's talk about this weekend's fights. The two fights on the pay-per-view card. Like, I, I guess, like, Yanan Wu versus Putalova. Like, that's on the pay-per-view card. Um, let's go third fight in. Jose Aldo versus Marab. All right. So here's the first question before we even get into the predictions. Where does Jose Aldo fall in the greatest fighters of all time conversation? Just UFC? Greatest fighters of all time. Just MMA. Top. 
15, 20? It's interesting, right? Like He's not top 10. No, I mean, he's... That run was great. Not top 10. It's Here's why I asked this question. Because I think we forget how good Jose Aldo was. And then we forget how he's somehow managed to rebound from some devastating losses to still be Jose Aldo at a weight class that we thought he would have no business being. Yep. So, yeah, he got iced by McGregor. Fight The rematch never happened. Sure. He lost to Max Holloway. But everybody lost to Max Holloway at that point. Right? He lost to Peter Jan. Okay. That was a chance. Or was it Volkanovs? No, Jan. Um, he lost to both. Damn, he did lose to both. Yep. He uh, lost to Volk, Jan. The only bad loss on his entire resume is Marlon Moraes. And he beat him. Well, yeah. I saw my two eyes. Well, everybody saw it and was like, <laughs> well, that's wrong. Yeah. So No, he beat Marlon Moraes that fight. So you look at this. He's lost to Jan Moraes, Volkanovski, Holloway twice, Connor. And then he didn't lose a fight. I think he lost way early in his career yeah, before yeah. he got to WC, like jungle yeah. fights or some shit like that. Now he's fighting Marab, where I haven't even looked at the betting line on this, but I'm going to assume that he's the, he might not be the underdog, because he's looked really good at Bantam. I'm not going to pick against Jose Aldo. Because if you really think about it, the man doesn't really lose to people that he shouldn't lose to. And, and the Max fights were very tough for him. The Volkanovski turned out to be a champion. I think everybody that's beat him with the, no, even Marais was, I mean, he came this close to being a champion against Henry Cejudo. Yep. He's fought nothing but champions. He's only lost to champions. That's it. Except for the guy in jungle fights. But <laughs> that guy's a legend in Brazil. You don't know. He's that's, like he's like the, the dude who dated Beyonce in high school. That's it. He, he's like the guy who started over Jordan when Jordan yeah. ain't make the team his sophomore year. You're never hearing the end of that shit. I'm out bundying this for the rest oh, I'm, of I'm, my life. I'm Polk High all yeah, day. If I, if I beat you, oh, <laughs> I'm I beat Polk Jose high. Aldo? Yeah. What? But then it becomes a in sad Brazil? story because then be like, your kids be like, yo, dad, but what happened? <laughs> Don't you worry about that, young. But I'm, I'm thinking. You, that's where you look at your kids and you said, you. Yeah. That's what happened. If I didn't have you, I'd be Jose Aldo fighting Conor McGregor. So before we actually, I'm picking Jose Aldo, but I do want to say this. Whoever wins this fight, this, this is becoming very fascinating because of what we just saw happen this past weekend, which you called Cheeto Vera kicking Dominic Cruz back in the commentary. Right? So Jose Aldo wins. Cheeto Vera wins. And I'm still like, I cannot believe Sean O'Malley's fighting Peter Young. I can't. I just, I cannot wrap my head around this. Because now, the way Cheeto Vera just won, yeah. he should be fighting Peter Young. Hands down. Not Sean O'Malley. The, the ma- MMA math ain't even mathing. Cheeto Vera beat Sean O'Malley. Hasn't lost since. Knocked out Frank Yeager. Kick Dominic Cruz in the next week. And he's got to sit back and watch Sean O'Malley get this opportunity? It's only problematic if, it's, if O'Malley wins. No, it's, it's problematic if he loses. Because you sit there and you're like, you just wasted my time. You put this guy into a fight he didn't deserve and then Jan just washes him? Like, if that happens, if O'Malley wins, the UFC looks like genius. <laughs> we knew it. We knew he was great. Does he fight Cheeto again? then, Or is it? Immediate title. Oh, they're, they're not wasting no time. They're not wasting any. If, if O'Malley beats Jan, Cheeto's pissed. And then O'Malley has to look at the winner of Sterling and Dillashaw. That would be his next fight. It wouldn't be Cheeto. Because <laughs> explain the logic to me of the UFC going backwards now. 
Because the man beat him. I agree, but that's def- to def- everyone except O'Malley. Right. And O'Malley somehow convinced everybody that he didn't lose the fight. It's one hell of an argument. <laughs> but you lost. So, <laughs> so if Jose Aldo wins. No contest. If Aldo wins, Aldo's going to fight Cheeto Vera. That's where we're going. So Cheeto Vera is just a legend killer. He's Randy Orton. Yes. Like he just got to hit the pose, middle of the thing at yeah. this point. Like the winner of this fight is fighting Cheeto. That's whoever it is, but I'm picking Jose out. Feed him all the legends. So, yeah, for, for that reason, I got to take Jose out. That's why I just want to see that matchup. So, okay. Um, Jose Aldo on there. Then co-main Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold. Finally. I'm not convinced Rockhold can still take a punch. I need to see it. He can't. Like, Yoel Romero sent him to the moon. Jan sent him to the moon. He haven't fought in a while. And this was a guy who at one time I thought would run the middleweight division. Like, he's that good. His grappling, his jujitsu, his striking, his fluidity, like, everything was right. And then he fought Michael Bisping. And Bisping took his soul. Michael Bisping. And, and it's one of those things. It's, it's I don't want to call it. Yeah, I do. I'm going to call it arrogance. You go into that fight and you fight Michael Bisping. You go, dog, I just beat all like the great middleweights. Michael Bisping? Really? <laughs> and then well, he changes your life. Man got one eye. Yeah, but then he changes your life. Because Luke Rockhold has been the same. So you're fighting Paulo Costa, who's basically your Yoel Romero. He also started modeling. He started doing like a lot of work. Yeah, but see, I, I never care about like outside stuff unless, like you can do outside, and we're going to talk about this with Kamaru Usman in a minute. You can model, you can do this stuff, but when it comes to fight, you still show up and fight. I don't care. Yeah. But I think the problem was is when you start looking past opponents or you start drinking your own Kool-Aid. Yeah. And I think he did that. Bisping caught him and it cha- his ego got crushed from that. And he hasn't been the same since. So now you're fighting Boracina, who just come, came off the loss to Vittori in like a light heavyweight. That was, like that was, All that shit was stupid. But <laughs> I mean, he should be a light heavyweight. Yeah. Right. So they're fighting... This is a weird fight because these two should be fighting at light heavyweight. They should be. But they're not. But I'm going to pick Paulo Costa just because I just, I'm not convinced that Luke Rockhold can still take him. I'm not convinced Paulo Costa makes weight. Well, that's a whole nother. How about that? <laughs> like, yeah, like, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but give me Paulo Costa, even though his hand speed is horribly slow. No, it's not great. It's not great at all. It's just he, when he lands, he lands heavy. Yeah, my man was 13-0 and he looked huge. But he, that was another one. He, he walked in, thought he could just run over Izzy. Got carved up. Ain't been the same. Both these guys need this win really bad. I really want to see Luke Rockhold win. because I like Luke Rockhold a lot. Not just as a fighter, but as a person. He seems like he's a good ambassador for MMA. Not for the USA. For MMA. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like I said, he's got the skill set. I'm just not convinced he can take a punch. No one is, sir. If he can... Then I'm wrong. And I'll be happy if I'm wrong. I'd like to see Rocco win this fight, but I think Paul Costa's going to stop him. Yeah, me too. I think it's a wrap for Rocco. Maybe he could coach. But yeah, I don't see him winning this. Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards in the main event. Dude. Usman's going to win this fight, but... Does Leon Edwards do anything better than Kamaru Usman? Um, so here's what Leon Edwards is. Leon Edwards is a great thinking man. He makes adjustments. But the problem is, you're going to have to hurt Kamaru to stop him. Yes. 
Leon doesn't. And we've get seen hurt. him be hurt. Yeah, but and and still get and You up see what happens. Like Gilbert Burns hurt him. Yep. And they went out there and destroyed Gilbert Burns. Leon Edwards is a very, very good fighter. But Kamaro is on like a different planet right now. Because when you look at Kamaro, and I'm going to get a chance, I hope I get a chance to talk to him later this week. There's this thing that he likes about competition that's different from other fighters. And I said this when he talked about fighting Canelo. I was like, guys, he doesn't want to fight Canelo for money. He wants to challenge himself. Other fighters are like, I want to check. Even Connor, as much as he said he could beat Floyd, he looked at that money. He was like, I yeah. want this money. Kamaro's wired differently. He doesn't fight a person. He fights a level, right? Like he sees a level and he's like, I got to beat that level. How can I beat that level? All right, I can do this. I can do this. It's never really personal. Like he did an interview with, with Brett Akamoto from ESPN where, yeah. he t- where he talks about Kamaya fight. And he was like, all these things that Kamaya has said. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but I'm not fighting him yet. I worry about that when that time comes. It's like he, he takes all these things that are happening and then he like pockets them. And then he makes it personal. But it's not the person per se. It's the, the competition. It's like, oh, you guys think he can beat me? Yeah. That's, that's what all. he wants to be. Right? So it's like when Masvidal came, he was like, oh, you guys think Masvidal is a better striker than me? All right. I'm going to knock his ass out. Yep. <laughs> oh, you guys think that uh, Gilbert Burns, if he gets me down, he's going to submit me. Well, that shit ain't going to happen. Yep. Oh, you think Colby Covington is a better wrestler than me? Like that. He's scary when he comes to that stuff. And now we're reaching a point where I think Usman might stop Leon. I think so. And 25 minutes is a long time. It is. And Kamaru's got more ways to win. Yep. He's durable. He doesn't fall asleep at the wheel. And this is what I talk about. He doesn't drink his own Kool-Aid. He still has something to prove every time he goes out there. He, like, I think he's one of those guys who goes in every fight thinking he's a challenger. Because he's like, why did, why won't you give me my due? Yep. Right? It's the Rodney Danger field. Yeah. Even though, <laughs> and I think, and the, and the key in this fight is he came in, he's coming in this fight as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. But you know what set him off? Alexander Volkanovsky entered the conversation. Yep. He, People like, well, you know, Volk's number one now. And even if people didn't mean it, he was like, oh, really? Let me show you. Yeah, I'm going to fight that. Like, he's fighting ideas now. And that's crazy. Because Leon, in his interview with Ariel, said, I think the money's gotten to his head. And it's like, that's the wrong answer, Leon. It ain't the money. There is nothing. like It's enjoying the money. If you are thinking, if you come into a fight to psych yourself out and thinking that a fighter isn't what he was, and then he reminds you of who he is when he gets in that octagon, you done fucked up. And I think that's what Leon's coming into this fight thinking I've evolved and I've changed. And Kamaro has too, but Kamaro's got money now and I'm hungrier than him. Wrong idea. Kamaro's going to stop this man. Uh, And the Kamaro fight will probably be next. Unless Kamaro loses to Nate Diaz. (laughs) But I want, there's a part of me that wonders if Kamaro, like if Usman wins this fight, and immediately goes, going to light heavyweight. Yeah. Because if Kamaru Usman wins the light heavyweight title, he's the greatest MMA fighter of all time. For that particular win. No, of course. Of any win. Like, jumping two divisions. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's ever done it. No. no. no like, if he was to go ridiculous. from welterweight, undefeated, be turned back all competition, except for my goes to light heavy, wins the title there, like, MMA, pound for pound, greatest all-time conversation evolves like every three weeks because the sport's so goddamn young. There is no Muhammad Ali. There is no Sugar yeah. Ray Robinson to compare him to. But right at that very moment, he's better than John Jones. Yeah. And John Jones is 
for my two eyes, probably the greatest. Yeah. Or when he's ready and you know, going. Habib is the other. I mean, Habib is. And it's, and, and the argument with Habib is like, it's not that the people go, well, excuse me, who's he fought? He's like he's fought a lot of people, but you know what he hasn't done? He was never tested. Like he no. ran over everybody. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. That's not his fault. No, I'm just saying but like for so long, he fought no top 10 people. Right. And then fought like four. I was like, I'm out. Yeah, but he fought four and treated them all like shit. Like he yeah. went into those fights and was just like, easy. Yeah. Like, oh, Michael Johnson, let's start with you. This is not, this is my title fight. And it's like, oh my God, he's treating them like children. Yeah. He went and fought Connor and he was like, I'm just going to, like Connor talked about, he's like, all right, cool. Beat him up. Yeah. Threw his ass in the trash. Just building the fight. Yeah. No. Justin Gaethje. Oh, you're a devastating striker? He ran over Justin Gaethje. Quick fast. Like, those are the, the guys we talk about going, obviously. That's support yeah. yeah, look, treat him like sh- He treats them like shit. Ran his ass right over. But it's very respectful. He treats them like a parent that's beating their child and is like, I don't want to do this to you, <laughs> but you're going to learn today? Like, don't put that glass on the counter without a coaster. Like, that's how he yeah. beats you up, and it's very disrespectful. <laughs> so, Khabib, Anderson Silva, you know, John Jones. A video going around the other day, and oh. it's a clip of Khabib. Talking about uh, Dustin Poirier had him in like the guillotine. It was deep. Yeah. And then he was on someone's like podcast and he was like, he was like, I was laughing. I was in the guillotine because he really thought I was going to tap in front of my father. <laughs> he was like, my father's two meters away. He really thought I was going to tap. He was like, I don't lose in front of my father. And then you just see the video of him just popping his head out and commencing to beat the shit out of Dustin Poirier and chokes Poirier out. And I was like, he, he said it so calm. He meant every single word. Everything's like, matter of fact. You thought I was going to tap in front of my dad? Like, how stupid? I was like, no, sir. Like, this shit was deep. Bro, Habib has no sense of humor. No. <laughs> so when he says shit like that, like, some people are like, ha, ha. No, he no, means that. He's like, oh, goddamn. Just deadpan. Like, when he says things, I will fuck you up. And then be like, oh, he's not just saying that just to scare me. He's going to do this. So it's like Habib, Anderson Silva, John Jones. And then, like, we're starting to have these conversations. George St. Pierre, who's, like, the nicest of all the guys on the yeah. panel list. But then it's Kamaru Usman. So, sorry, Leon. You're showing up at the wrong time. Like, you're going to lose this fight, and then you should probably fight Masvidal. I'd love to see, like, Bobby Knuckles drop down. Give, like, a different mix. You're not getting another title shot. Middleweight. No. He's been there before. So, one fight, like, can you cut the weight? See what you do against Usman. I mean, he was at he was at welterweight and one fight kicked his head off. Yeah, I know. And he was like, like, ah, I'm gonna go to no. <laughs> but I mean, like for one fight, can you make the cut to get another title shot? Um, not Kamayev is is that guy right now. He is. It, it's su- here's the thing that sucks for Kamayev. You beat Gilbert Burns, but for a lot of us, we were like that fight was way tougher than a lot of us. Then you Stupid made it even seem like it was gonna be, and you're fighting a Diaz who. We all think he's going to just kill Nate Diaz because mm-hmm. Nate Diaz isn't that good. There's a part of me that says, should Kamayev get another fight before he gets a title fight? Nate Diaz is not the guy to get you a title fight. No, but when the champ beats everyone else, then... I'm just saying. That's K- the easiest way to Kamaya get a title versus fight. Colby Covington? Like, who says no? True. But then who does the champ fight? Light heavy? light heavyweight. Who's that light heavy? Yuri. No, but I mean, it's going to be Yuri Glover. He fights the winner. I mean, if you're a champ, you automatically get a title shot. Yeah, so you jump Jan. Yeah. 
Yeah, Giannis can fight some. But I, I, that's just me. Kamaev, Kobe Covington, I think that makes a lot of sense. Because, dude, Kamaev got tested against Gilbert Burns. Yeah. And people forgot about that already. And they're like, he's so great. And I'm like, yo, Gilbert, Kamaru didn't have that hard of a time with Gilbert Burns. Got him out of there. Got caught once, but not. Yeah, but then he got him out of there in the second round. Mm-hmm. Kamaev got, he got rocked. They had a war that he won, but could have lost. Yep. So, all that say, yes, Mario Usman is going to win in front of all the white people. So, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to love him. You got no shirt on. It's going to be treated like a king in that city. So, uh, Salt Lake's actually a beautiful city. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't see a lot of me's there. It's all right. You know, every now and then, you just got to take a breath. I know they'd be like, when I, when I pull oh, up, they'd be like, hey, he's too short to play for the Jazz. <laughs> all the time. And you'd be going like through there and yeah, I'm going to, I go to shit. Park City. Go to the lot. Yeah. Go to Sundance. You yeah. real fancy. Yeah, I don't go. You skiing. go up that way. You don't ski? Fuck no. Snowboard? What do you do at a ski resort? Watch everybody else do shit. Drink liquor. I'm not against that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to join you this year. Um, now, we're going to take a break because we're going to be joined by our guests for today. UFC 278 competitor Jared Gordon is joining us right after this. Hell of a life story. We're going to talk to him about his upcoming fight, his fights throughout his life with mental health and with addiction and how he got to be where he is today. I think the man's like five... Six and two in the UFC. I believe his record. Like, it's incredible coming from where he came from. So we're going to talk to him right after this. Don't get anywhere. Be right back. What up, everybody? We are back. As promised, we have our guest. UFC 278 is this weekend, and we have Jared Gordon joining us on the pod today, talking about a big weekend in his career. We're going to talk about several moments over his career, one hell of a story here, and he's ready to get back on the winning path this weekend in Salt Lake City. Jared, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. No, it's always tough during fight week, weight cuts, tons of media obligations. Thanks so much for taking time out. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, anytime, anytime. To jump into this first and foremost, your career and your path to the UFC is arguably different than anyone we've seen here. You're only 33, your birthday a couple weeks away. So shout out, happy early birthday. But I mean, you started fighting so young, you went through some turbulence. Was there ever a time where you were like, man, I, I, I'm not going to get here. I'm not going to get to the UFC and then now you see where you are. Actually, no. I always knew that I belonged. Uh, and, you know, when I was doing what I was doing, I was, I was fairly young. So I was like, oh, I still have time. And I kind of was just really carefree. And, like, I didn't, nothing really mattered. I wasn't scared. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't hesitant. I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was, like I was losing time and uh, I got into UFC when I was 28. So, I mean, which I think is like a fairly good age to get in. You know, you're not too young, you're not old. Um, but I always knew that I was going to get there. Um, actually, now I'm more hesitant and cautious about things 
more so than when I was younger. I was just talking about it with my girl. Like when I was an amateur, when I first became a professional fighter, I didn't have any fears or anxiety. I would just go in there and do what I, what I do. And now like things are a little different, but, um, so no, I always felt like I was going to get there, man. Here I am. Let's talk about your story, man, because I know I've, I've seen a few interviews and you said on a few occasions, like, you know, sometimes I sound like a broken record, but it is such a story of overcoming addiction, mental health and using that and becoming not just a fighter, but an advocate. Um, when you talk about like nervousness now, is it the pressure to not only compete in the octagon, but to spread your message of overcoming adversity and, and dealing with addiction and mental health? Because that story seems even bigger than just being a fighter now. Man, you hit the nail on the head. I know I'm capable and I know I can, I can win a fight on any given day. Uh, it's not my body that, that, uh, I'm worried about, you know, it's, it's not being able to have the platform to, to do what I'm, what I believe I'm supposed to do, which is what I believe is God's work and helping other people that suffer like me, you know, like, I see so many people suffering and dying. My best friend, people I know of killing themselves, um, you know, all sorts of victims of, of all sorts of different abuse. Um, and, you know, I just want the platform to, to help people. And, you know, if you're Joe Schmo, people don't want to listen, unfortunately. So if you were LeBron James or Tom Brady, you know, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, any one of these guys, if they were preaching about mental health and addiction and, you know, all sorts of things like that, then you'd have a lot of listeners. So I just, I want my platform, man, and I got to win to to have it. So that's what, you know, my goal is obviously to win so I could get on the mic after the fight and, and say what I got to say. When you were going through all of this, who was someone that you looked at? Like, who was there for you? Like, where did you turn in some of those times that really helped you, um, you know, get back on track, get back into fighting, get your life turned around, and, and be where you are right now? I mean, a physical person, like before, you know, I found God, uh, I would look at people that were around me. My coach, Jason Strout, uh, he helped me through a lot. He never turns back on me. Uh, my older brother is also in recovery. Um, he helped me a great deal. Uh, and, you know, just people that have been there and done that. I know a lot of recovering addicts. And I know, uh, you know, I, even looking at people that are struggling helps me too, you know? Like, mm. I don't want to be where they are. So when I help someone, it keeps me from going back, you know? Um, but now it's God. Like, all, that's all I need is my guy up there and he gets me through it all, you know? Yep. So let me ask you this because this week in boxing, Adrian Broner pulled out of a fight just a week before he was supposed to step in the ring citing mental health issues. And his opponent was like, ah, you're using that as an excuse. This stuff is getting really complicated when we're discussing like mental health and fighting because I don't want to say that everybody has mental health issues, but I don't know if there's a bar, but when, can you speak to this a little bit? Because it feels like we have to really address mental health in ways that everybody feels included and not disrespect people who feel like they need to step away from a fight because their mental health is not intact. Like, what is your take on this? 
Uh, yeah, I think everyone has some sort of or form of varying degree of mental health issues, whether it's just slight depression or serious depression. Uh, I know people, you know, that are suicidal. Like I just had my best friend took his life a little over a year ago. He was a professional fighter. Um, you know, then there's addicts. There's people that are victims. I'm a, I'm a sexual assault victim. Um, you know, people have all sorts of issues, all sorts of character defects. And, you know, some people gamble. Some people are alcoholics or drug addicts. Some people are just depressed. Some people have bipolar or schizophrenia. I mean, uh, so Adrian Broner stepped away. Like, he should get his head. He shouldn't go into a fight feeling the way he's feeling. It probably wouldn't be in his best interest. Brian Garcia, I think also yeah. not too long ago, uh, was talking about that he's not feeling well. And uh, I know, like, I've heard two stories within the last couple of weeks. My friend, Jay, my coach, Jason, who I was just talking about, his wife's cousin, 18 years old, jumped off a bridge, took his life. Mm. Um, this other person that I know, their cousin, 24 years old, drove into a parking lot, shot himself in the head. Um, if you're willing to do that, my, my best friend took his life. He hung himself in his daughter's bedroom. Mm. Um, you need to be really hurting and sick, mentally ill to go through with something like that. Uh, and I think guys around our age, 20, you know, eight, even younger, 17, 18 to 45, like, we're, we have pride and ego. We don't want to talk about our, our weaknesses and, and our feelings. But, uh, you know, if you're not turning to drugs or alcohol, then you're turning to suicide or other forms of self-harm. So good, good for Adrian, man. If he's not feeling well, then why should you go in all the pressure, all the media? You're going to go fight a fight, a huge mm. boxing match? You know, so let him, you know, people are going to judge and say certain things. Oh, this or that. He's scared. He's a, he's, a, you know, not just, he's a pussy, whatever. Yeah. You no, know, go, go F yourself. How do you know what he's going through? Right. You know? So, um, I think it needs to, I think it needs to be, uh, spoken about more. And I think people need to help more. And I think, you know, larger organizations, UFC, the boxing organization, you know, these, these big time organizations can, can help people, man. I think it's very important, especially in athlete, male athletes. Yeah. Definitely. I think, it's, I think it's huge. When you were going through some of these struggles before, you were still fighting through much of this, right? Like, you, you took fights at that time. What was, what's the major difference, like, that you see in yourself as a performer, as a fighter, when you're going through mental health struggles, maybe some addiction, compared to now, when you're in recovery, when you're, you're, really fresh of mind and being able to kind of be free in there. What was the main difference you see between those two forms of you competing? Man, I had to do something every day to keep myself on track. Uh, you know, we only get like a daily reprieve. If you're mentally sick, like I've been diagnosed with mental disorders and diseases, um, my addiction, if I don't do something every day to help myself, and I could slip back into that, you know? Mm. So and I, I have a sports psychologist, I see a trauma specialist. You know, I go to meetings like AA meetings. Um, I got an AA sponsor. I have other people that I bounce 
my ideas and feelings off of. Uh, my wife helps me. Uh, you know, I have God. I rely on him. And, you know, I, I read literature. I all sorts of self-help stuff. You know, if I don't, if I don't do something to keep myself on track, then, you know, it all fall apart. But the difference is, is that I'm spiritually and mentally way more fit than I was before. You know, I used to go into fights, anxiety, depression, uh, comparing myself to others. Social media is like poison, man. Comparison culture. Uh, who's got the shiniest stuff? Who's got the most biggest, shiniest objects? You know what I mean? And that's just, when I look at that stuff, man, makes me sick. I went on Instagram for a second and uh, I did an interview with Muscle and Fitness Magazine like last week and they posted it and they wrote like uh, UFC star Jared Gordon, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was like the title of the article. And someone underneath wrote Jared who? And like, I immediately was like, you know, <laughs> F this guy. And my girl was like, yo, that's why you shouldn't be looking at Instagram during fight week. Yeah. It's one little flick and, and it throws you off, you know, where you're off your path. Um, so man, it's just being balanced, you know, having peace and joy in my life and being content is, is the biggest difference than, you know, before everything was all oh, this, I don't have enough of this. I'm not good enough. I suck. I'm just a junkie. Uh, should have died a junkie. I, those are things I used to say all the time. I should have just died a junkie. Why am I here? This is all worthless. I should have killed myself. Um, so that, you know, it's the peace and joy and content and the gratefulness that I have now. That's the biggest difference in my life. Man, really, really happy to hear that from you. Um, on, a, on a somewhat lighter note, uh, you, <laughs> you were in the news for subduing somebody that had a bat that was attacking you. Now, Kevin Holland's been wild out here talking about rescuing people from semi-trucks and all kinds of crazy <laughs> yeah. shit. But you actually did yeah. it because there's actual footage of this thing happening. Walk us through what happened that day. I know you've talked about it a lot, but after that, because not just the situation that happened, yeah, social media can be poison, but people have seen this and some people have called you a hero for what has happened. So kind of, kind of talk about this situation, especially when you're preparing for a fight. Man, so... I saw a guy at a pull-through ATM machine in his car, and on his bumper sticker on the front of the car, it said, I love crack horse. <laughs> so good. I was like, huh, I mean, that's pretty funny. So I took my phone out, and I started filming it. And I'm like, look at this guy's bumper sticker. That's hysterical. Um, and, you know, he's at the ATM machine, so he can't get out the driver's door. So he starts crawling out of the passenger door. And I'm like, what, the, what is this guy doing? And he goes in the trunk. And I'm like, uh-oh. And he pulls out a bat. I'm thinking, oh, what if this guy pulls out a machete or a gun or something? Uh, and he starts walking towards me fast, the baseball bat. And I immediately just boil up. So I'm thinking, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to kill this guy. I'm with my parents. They're in their 60s. I'm with my cousin and her husband. And I'm thinking, yo, is this person serious right now? I'm going to kill him. I grabbed him and my cousin grabbed him from also from the side. Uh, and like my cousin's pulling him and I'm pulling him and I'm like, yo, let's just, just put him down on the ground. I put him down and started talking to him and it took everything within me to not beat his face in. 
So I was with my parents. That's what really upset me is, you know, I was with my parents. They're older and yeah. they're not like young kids. Um, and I, I stepped on his neck and I ripped the bat out of his hands. And, um, yeah, like I really had to restrain myself because normally like a couple of years ago, I probably would have pulverized him. But, you know, like I wasn't about to beat his face in front of my parents. Not that they would have something they'd never <laughs> seen before because I, I've seen my parents fight in the street actually. So it's not like it's, it's not like something new, but I just, I don't know. I restrained myself somehow and just let him go. He asked, he asked for his bat back and I was like, what are you insane? Um, and he just got in his car and walked away. So yeah, I mean, I did the right thing. I guess I, I was able to keep myself calm and, um, that was it, man. It was just another day. Wait. So you're telling me that everybody in your family got hands. So you see your, oh. your parents fight. I read somewhere that your grandfather was a boxer. So everybody yeah. in your family just has hands. Everyone. Well, my mother's Sicilian, Italian woman. She's very vicious. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily she's, say she's got hands, but she'll call, try to claw your eyes out. And, <laughs> you know, my, my dad, you know, he's getting older, man, but he's not a pussy. I've seen him seen him fight in the streets. Uh, you know, like I'm in the car, some road rage incidents, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, come from Queens, New York. We, we're not really, we're not too soft, you know? So. <laughs> Shout out to everyone from Queens. Y'all don't play. Look, so we, we've talked about all these things, but you got a damn fight this weekend. And yeah, and it's it's inc- and it's incredible <laughs> the fact that we can talk about all these things about you. I think that's what makes fighters great because you guys all have stories, and I think those stories don't get told enough. So it's I'm totally fine talking about your story, but I do want to talk about this fight because you're the main event of the prelims against Santos in a fight that for you could have implications of trying to get closer to cracking that top fifteen in the lightweight division. One, moving up in weight. How significant was that for you and how difficult of a decision was that? Because you had trouble making 45 at one time and it seems like you're starting to settle yeah. in now. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is that like I'm really big for 45, but I'm not the biggest 55er. So, you know, the old thing was, you know, get, get as small as possible and be the biggest guy, you know, when you rehydrate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not 22 years old anymore. It's not as easy as it was to cut weight. I'm, I'm bigger naturally now. Uh, and just the weight cut, man, to 45 takes a toll on me. Um, you know, I, I made it. Sometimes I didn't make it. Um, and it just got hard, you know, and the yo-yo effect. Right. It's not good for me. Um, it just destroys my nervous system. And, you know, I have to be on a diet, like, year-round. I want to fight three, four times a year, I got to be on a diet year-round at 45. At 55, my camps are way more comfortable. I eat a lot more. I get injured way less. I feel more energized, um, happier. Um, and the weight cut's easier, obviously. And I think, well, I know I have more gas in the tank at 55 because, you know, I'm not sucking weight all, all week like I did at 45. Um, or all fight camp, I should say. So. I'm way healthier at 55. I'm not the biggest guy, but I figured instead of being bigger, I just got to be better, right? That's the whole name of the game anyways. You look at a guy like Santos, you mentioned someone who's bigger. You find him at 55, he's six foot, right? Like he has like yeah. six inch reach on you. 
going into a fight against yeah, a guy I'm, like that, like how do you prepare? <clears throat> do you prepare any differently to fight someone who is that much bigger? Or do you just go in and say, my skills are going to speak for themselves? Well, you know what? Like, I think everyone that I fight at 55 is bigger than me or taller and longer. I'm not, I'm, I'm just short and stumpy, man. <laughs> I got, I'm thick. Like, I'm not, uh, I ain't, I'm not long and tall. I'm just wide. Um, but, um, you know, it's the same every fight, man. I spar guys. I, I spar the guys in my gym. They're six one, you know, six two. They fight at one seventy. They got long arms. They're athletic. Uh, so, but I gotta just get on the inside, pressure forward, and make it make it really dirty. You know, make make it a living hell for him. So, um, I can't play the outside game. You know, I gotta get in there and be like kind of like Mike Tyson, uh, just bob and weave. Get in there, hit the body. Get, Go back up to the head, takedowns, just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I believe that's where where I'm going to shine. It's just a nonstop, go, 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 no stopping, and, and uh, just make him wilt. One of my last questions is uh, because this is the main event of the prelims. I don't want to say it puts added pressure, but you are aware that there's an additional spotlight on you because you're headlining, and use that goes right into the the main event of the the pay per view. But the question is this: because some fighters want to have very exciting fights. But by having exciting fights, it means you got to take some damage. Do you, would you like that and leave fans with that kind of impression? Or would you just rather get Santos the hell up out of there? If it's 30 seconds, so be it. And just have people talking about some viral knockout. How do you, how do you would like to see this fight go? Listen, I've been in the fight. I've had fights of the night before in the UFC. I've had fights that went all the, you know, the distance and in my career. Uh, I'm trying to get in and out. I would love to get a performance of the night, and I'm mad. I've been manifesting that just in and out, move on to the next one. I want to fight in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in Manhattan, raised in Queens. My grandfather fought Madison Square Garden. I'm trying to get in and out of this fight, no injuries, and and fight where I believe I'm destined to fight in November in my hometown. So. Trying to get in now, baby. We got to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. a fight of the night. <laughs> I'll take a fight of the night if it's a bonus, but I'm not trying to get all banged up, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, my last question is, you're now at lightweight getting comfortable, but you fought the champion already. You've been in the octagon with Charles Oliveira. You know what he's about. You were kind of towards like the beginning end of this amazing streak that he's had where he he really hit that corner and turned it around. What did you learn from that fight? And is that something where you took to like, you know what? In three years since I fought this guy, he's an unbeatable champion. Now I'm like that close to being on the same level. Like we were just on the same level in 2019. Is that something that motivates you where you're like, I know where I have to be. I've already faced this guy. Well, you know, when I fought him, I fought him in his hometown no one wanted to go down there and fight him. I lost. I was supposed to fight Leo Santos that night. Yep. Or he, he pulled out of the fight. Yep. And then they were like, look, Charles is supposed to be on the card. No one's trying to fight him. He was on a six-fight finishing streak at the time. Would you fight him? I said, all right. Throw me in there. I don't care. So walking out in that stadium, those fans screaming at me, Charles is the star of the town. That's his hometown. And then going, getting in there, even though it ended the way it ended, was still an experience that I took a lot of lessons from. Um, I 
And like I came in there and like I threw a couple feints. I got him. I got him squinting. I hit him with a couple jabs, and then I just I zigged when I should have zagged, and he hit me with the right hand, and, and that was it. But the I felt so comfortable in that fight backstage and going into the cage that that has carried over to my other fights. If I can get in there with Charles in front of his hometown in Brazil, I'll fight anyone anywhere. You know, yeah. I don't care. Um, so yeah, that that experience was priceless, and uh, and my wife that night was like, he's going to be the champion. And then he went on a win. He kept winning, and then he became champion. And now look at him. Now he's finishing the best guys in the world. Yeah. So that for me, it's like, all right. Well, I didn't just lo- I didn't lose to the, a scrub that <laughs> night, and I lost to the best guy in the world. So definitely um, big experience. And I think it, even though I lost terribly that night, uh, huge. It was almost like a feather in my capstone because I got that experience, and I'm still young in my career. Like. I know I have a good five years left in this sport, so. Definitely none, but five years. Listen, your face is someone who's 40. We've seen people become <laughs> champion at 42. Exactly. You might have more Older, than five man. years. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, there's plenty of time left. Thank you for, you know, joining us, being so open. Great luck in your fight this weekend. Can't wait to see it. Go out there, get this win. Let's see you in New York. That's, that's the goal. Yeah, I want to see you in November. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. So, so much. Everyone, Jared Gordon joining us from Salt Lake City. Uh, make sure you guys check out. Yeah, Thank no you, problem. Man. Thank you. Make sure you guys check out USC 278 this weekend. Another great interview. We'll keep this short since it's been a longer show. Shout out to everyone here at Blue Iron Studios, Wind Resort in Las Vegas. Everybody in the booth. Shout out to producer Cole Bay Bay, wherever he is today, packing up. Um, you'll see him on the wrestling episodes, I'm sure, sooner or later next week. But uh, he's nursing his injuries. If you guys did not see, check it out on YouTube. He may or may not have went through a table. He may or may not have been accosted in the Blue Wire parking lot. Yep. <laughs> so make sure you guys check that out on YouTube. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. We appreciate you all. Until next time, we're out. Peace.